right, it's another week right here. Me, Max, and Mike, episode four, and it is part four of the series of Making an Impact. We've covered a whole lot, and today we talk about who shot Bravo. Man. Obviously, we're talking about Johnny Bravo, and, uh, you know, in the vein of who shot JR, the biggest mystery of October was who shot Bravo, and we're going to get into that and so much more. Uh, Mr. Everything, Max Sled here with my friend, best friend, tag team partner, legendary Larry D. Larry, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing wonderful. You know, we had to get out early this morning. I had to get you up out of bed. It was a little early. You were so fucking, like, grumpy. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting to where I'm, I'm so angry. I, the other night, I got an hour's worth of sleep. I was uh, up, and my girlfriend was sick, and I, I had to stay up with her, and I got an hour's worth of sleep, and then had to go about my daily process and then last night I didn't sleep very well and uh, I talked to you right before I went to sleep and you're like you know what man 9 30 or, or 10 a.m and I'm like okay great I can get up right at 9 15. I got up a little after nine this morning I look at my phone and you're like hey man I'll be there at 9 15. I'm like what the heck man like nine is so late in the morning I don't understand hey early bird catches the worm and this man don't put no worms in his <laughs> mouth <laughs> like, I was like, how the hell? Why are you so upset? I'm like, we're going to go to Lexington. We did a liquor run. That's it, man. I, I, I we used to do liquor runs much later than that. Yeah, I'm an audio repair man here at the studio. I've done had all kinds of shit go on this week, man. No, it's. I used to be, and my trainer told me, he said, the only person who makes money in bed early in the morning is a hooker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the same very guy told me that on the telephone one time when I worked third shift and. Uh, I had to work overtime, and I was asleep at 11 when I got home at 8. And he was like, told me the same thing, yep. same phone call. It, it may not have been as nice at one point in time. No, it was, worded, a few. it was worded a little <laughs> differently, but I'm not, I, even though I'm uncensored, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to censor how he used to put it over. Yeah. Here. Uh, but so exciting. So uh, how was your week? I know we just came out of another exciting edition of Bar Brawl, Bar yeah. Brawl 3, the biggest bar brawl of all time. Man, you know, it was fun. It was. It felt good. You know, I don't get to get out on, on the road as much because I've allowed myself little projects like this and things with you and the bar. But, man, when I get out, it's like I've been very selective, you know, and it, it's worked to the benefit because it, it, it makes times that we got out. So we had such a good time Sunday, like when we went up there. Yeah, Saturday, to, Sunday, to, big wrestling weekend. Yeah, and then we was, we was here at the bar. And, and and the bar brawl was off the chain. I know that you had to leave a little bit early, but man, it was insane. Nick, how about dude? Me and Nick was was on fire. Dude, it was one of the funnest nights I've had at Legend. Yeah, man, it was just a really good time. And it's, it's definitely out. a place that you a place that you want to check out. Legends uh, Bar and Events. Yes, sir. Legends Bar and Events, two sixteen South Walnut here in Cynthiana, Kentucky, right next to Skullface Records. That's it, man. And so many big things going on there. Not just the bar brawl. You guys have ladies' night. Y'all have 80s night. Man, we did arm night. wrestling. Tell us about it. it. It looked like one of the biggest events that you guys have had. It was. It was the first time that we had arm wrestling like that. What I'm doing is I'm bringing different events. You know, there's always that little honky-tonk bars, you know, and it's not nothing against that. It's just that's not my vibe. You know, we run events, and, and, and one of the things I've always been intrigued by is I would look around and I would see guys like I want to arm wrestle, you know, just Billy badasses in there's the bar. There's always that guy. Yeah, there. Well, there's several that would come uh, yeah. through, and you know, I'm like, I'm not gonna lie, you know. So, so I thought, well, shit. What if 
we just threw a table up there on that stage and we threw t- some smoke up there and put them lights on and man it started i was worried at first you know cynthiana is a is a town where early afternoon like when you first open it's like fucking you know what i mean True. I, yeah i just passed the tumbleweed going down yeah. the street <laughs> yeah but then you like go and you take a trip around the street there and, and here you are and it's packed and these people are the most crazy insane but intriguing people yeah well, that tell you've you what, ever met i tell you what i like about cynthiana is it you know you talk about those like mayberry type towns yeah. but they're also like hey if you're from cynthiana like you're one of us and you've got so much local business and so much of like hey I'm going to support everybody around me because I want the town itself to right. be bigger. You've got mom and pop shops. You've got uh, places like Skull Face right here. You know, a recording oh, studio right out. Yeah. We're amping up. Like, we're, you we're got opening. Legends Pro Wrestling Academy. We're got opening bar. early Saturday. The Rod Run. There's a thing called Rod Run. Tell right? them about it. Let's see if oh, we can get some I don't out. know really myself. All From my understanding, this is, the, this is the first time I've heard about Rod Run in Cynthia. I was explained it's kind of like a big car show type of event. It's a big car show, and they bring, like, classic cars. And so what they're going to do is they're going to park classic cars all down the street, and there's going to be all kinds of outdoor vendors and things like that. And and we're going to open up at 10 in the morning. Skullface Records is going to open up at 10 in the morning. We're right next to each other. We're on the other side of town, you know. Come by, say hi. Yeah, man. I, I talk with Nick every day, and I'm so glad that we got to, like, reconnect because like this little strip is cool that we've got and we, we, we like see the opportunity of, of the, the possibilities, you know, and that's what I like about being over here in Cynthia. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's great restaurants over here. There's a oh, yeah. China place right there. There's a pizza place across the street. We, we hit that. There's, there's a, a movie theater right around the corner. Yeah. I, and they do like ghost tours. Don't, don't you do ghost tours as well? Absolutely. <laughs> you can, you can, you, there's tons of ghost tours in this town. Where, uh, how could they get up with you if they wanted to do a ghost tour? Look up the transparent Podcast. Okay, look up the Transparent Podcast on Skullface Records Radio. Check that out. That's dope. I'm going to listen to that myself. Yeah. So what about it? You ready to talk about some wrestling? I, I, you know what? I never stop talking about wrestling. I think you know that uh, better than anybody. You but know? you know what we got to do first? We got to pay some bills and come back, and then we got to talk about who shot Bravo. That's it, man. I can't wait to find out who did it. All right, we'll be right back. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Please enjoy all the newest and hottest podcasts like, like, like Me, Max, and a Mike, hosted by Mr. Everything, Max Sled, and the best hand in the house, legendary Larry D. They discuss life as a wrestler and Larry D's experiences with Impact Wrestling. Don't miss one single episode of Me, Max, and a Mike podcast series, Making an Impact. K-P-R-I-S with Skullface Records presents where Nick Himes and Travis Franklin explores and investigates the most haunted areas of Cynthiana, Kentucky. Hosted by Michael Lynn Watkins and Nick Himes. They listen to the best underground metal from all over the world and discuss mainstream professional wrestling. Don't miss the weekly CD of a week 
by Michael Lynn Watkins, and then the Battle of the Bands. Mixed Mayhem Music Review. A fun and entertaining podcast that highlights unheard music from all over the world. Being discussed and broke down by Nick Hines and Ryan the Lion Lochner. Don't miss the video of the week and all the great tunes on Mix Mayhem Music Review. Tune in to Live with Nick Nasty, where you'll hear all the latest news with anything associated with Skullface Records slash radio. A monthly top ten show, and you never know who will be the next big guest sitting in the studio with Nick Himes, Live with Nick Nasty. Please subscribe and share. All of our podcast shows are available on Spotify and all major podcast providers. Don't forget about our band camp where you can hear all the music. Skullface Records Radio. Skullface Records Radio. So, you know, last week we talked about just how big you were in Wrestle House. You were on a roll. You were the star. Lots of people uh, left out of that. And the name on their lips wasn't Larry D. It was Lawrence D. Uh, But, hey, now we're back in the real world. We're back in Impact Wrestling. And the one thing that Larry D knows how to do in Impact Wrestling is he knows how to put a guy over. So you come out and you work an explosion match against Suicide. Yeah. uh, And uh, Suicide goes over on you. You come out of that and you're back on regular TV and you're in a series with the Rascals. And the Rascals uh, beat you like two or three weeks straight. Uh, And then you guys finally get a win over the Rascals the third week out. Tell us how you felt. uh, What was it like working with Suicide? Suicide was so fun. You know, I, it's like you think, like, if you remember Impact Wrestling or back in the day, they would have that. What was the video game? It was Impact Wrestling, the video game. It, it wasn't like Explosion or something? No. It no, didn't it was, have, like, a just, name? Yeah, it was Impact because of the the name of, like, the television well, show. Well, anyway, but, like, Suicide was, like, the, the draw, right? Yeah, Suicide yeah, was, you, like, the character yeah, that you, you had, would go through your story mode yeah, with. Yeah, you had and, your story mode, and they, they created an original character to where, like, you – any other uh, game, you would create your character and you would go down this like story path. In this one, you would create your guy, but you were only that guy for like three seconds, and then something happens to him. He's a big star. Uh, he gets attacked and mutilated and comes back under the hood for revenge as suicide. <laughs> and uh, then Impact thought, you know what? What better way to tie into yeah. uh, that gimmick than to bring suicide to life. His theme song even said, Suicide comes to life. Suicide! (laughs) Suicide! And at first they had the big entrance. Like he would come out of like their Titan Tron, swing down. Uh, We now know, you know, multiple people. uh, You know, Frankie Kazarian was suicide. Christopher Daniels was suicide. Uh, You know, a guy that you talked about before, TJP, he was suicide. Uh, One of the uh, Japanese guys that they had come in, he did suicide. It became like a super samurai warrior uh, of sorts, except for with a little more notoriety behind the name. Uh, now, I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe you don't know. Who was suicide when you worked suicide? Man, you know, I sit there and pondered the whole time. I was like, that's suicide. 
I can sit here and honestly tell you that suicide is suicide. Oh man! <laughs> but I, you know he what I liked about life. it is like, but you know me is like my style is is a lot of people think that I would prefer to like hoss fight or battle you know these two big heavyweights, and that's not the that's not the case. Is it, I'm I'm excited about like that David versus Goliath, you know that that matchup that battle. I feel like I can help tell a better story. On that, and that's that's what was I was most excited about when I seen that I was matched up against Suicide. Now, did I did, did I think I was gonna win? No, <laughs> but I knew that I would be able to go out and have a great time with Suicide that night. Yeah, I had, any thoughts or uh, memories of the match? No, I mean I just remember it kind of being the same back and forth, knocking me down, they, you know, trying to get you... me off my feet. There was no like if you're asking like direction, no, it was yeah, just hey, you're going out there, and uh, there you go. Obviously, like, was there any more, like, leeway given to, like, an explosion match because it isn't on the actual, you know, actual impact show? So maybe, you know, a little more time, a little more creative freedom, anything like that? Or it was just well, the same as the, being on impact? As far as, like, creative freedom, you got your matches. You know, you got you have your full creative matches. I, you know, I, I don't feel like anyone's like, whoa, pull back there. You know, they, they did, uh, it, like – if you want to hit like a destroyer or something on the outside, obviously they're going to be like, hey, you can't, you can't really do that. But they want you to push the pedal. You know, they want the very best product that they could get. So, I mean, you really just kind of ran everything back by your agent, all your big ups, all your finishes. And, you know, I just wanted to go out and do my best, you know, win, lose or draw. You know, I knew that I was going to lose, but I felt like it was an opportunity to show my, my abilities as a, as a singles competitor with, you know, all due respects to AC and, all of that, you know, I feel like that was our time, you know, and I just went out there and wanted to get down. That, that's really all I wanted to do. I, I didn't never expect to, to, I don't know, be pushed to the moon because I, I, I right away the way that I was, that way that we was booked coming in, I, I knew that I was never going to be top of the mountain. At that point, I just had to be my best me in hopes that someone would notice. And then, you know, me being me is that old come from left field they wouldn't expect like bam there you are you know but I never got that chance I feel yeah and then you know we talked about we had already talked about your feelings about like the rascals your of opinion course. of them working with them uh you come out of wrestle house like I said you had at least two matches with them where they go over and then uh, the third match on October uh looks like here is the 24th is where you guys beat the rascals is there any memories of beating them or was it just a series of matches to you guys at, at this time did you feel like you were doing anything, or were you just aimlessly to drifting be, and it's winning, losing, honest, and whatever? Yeah. To be honest with you, I did not know. Like, I didn't know what to expect because I we lost so much that a win was like, damn, did we just win? You know, because then you think, are they going to push us? Are they? And then then you would get a win, and then you would come into the next set, and then you're just back, boom, boom, boom. You're just lost, 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 lost. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, it seems like something that wasn't lost on. Uh, creative or the higher ups at impact was you know they really saw something with Lawrence Dean I so, think so you know once they when they did that I feel like they started to uh you know create a little bit for you they started to get a better vision maybe more so for Lawrence D than for Larry D uh well I think I think what it is is like you know on television you're you're a character right you know when you look at and you line up you, you have Larry D who, who I love, like, that's, that's my guy. I still feel like Larry D is money, you know? And then you have Lawrence D, 
you know, you have Larry Dew, who's just a big brawler, you know, I'll come to the ring in trunks, and I've got this chain around my neck. Okay, great, I can fight, I'm a brawler. But then you got Lawrence Dew, who is all of that, except he's confused on the fact that he he is he's this sexual fucking item, you know, that all the women adore him when he sprays this shit cologne on him. That's, I, I guess that's television entertainment, but I wish that I had gotten more chance to show an in-ring side of Lawrence D, like coming into Vegas, mm-hmm. that second rip around, that, that second uh, Wrestle House 2, coming into Vegas, I, I wish that I had gotten like more creative as Lawrence D. I had gear ready, you know, everything. I was ready to go, but, you know, just the moon and the stars didn't line up. Yeah, and then one of the main things that we're talking about today, and this all kind of ties together, is that on October 27th, they did a you know pretty big angle and a story that uh, resulted from a wrestle house. We know that Rosemary had used uh, the ring rust. Uh, for anybody that didn't see it, it was a, a cologne that she sprayed, and it was kind of like a love potion or a uh, potion or whatever that brought out the lover in Larry D. It made him into Lawrence D. Uh, a lover, not a fighter. Right. And uh, she was using you to make Johnny Bravo jealous. She wanted him to uh, want her, to want to be with her, to be jealous. And so she needed you as a catalyst for that. Uh, we know that it, that it paid off in the end, is that you had your match with Johnny Bravo, but the conclusion of everything, the end of Wrestle House, is that Johnny Bravo... Uh, proposes he gets down on one knee and he asks Rosemary to be his wife. Right, and uh, so that leads us to October twenty seventh, and it's kind of the center of the pro- uh, the product today or the show today, and uh, that is the Bravo and Rosemary wedding. Tell us what you remember about the wedding of Johnny Bravo and Rosemary. Man, it was they had they had everyone ringside, and and here we are. We we're now back into the impact zone if I remember correctly. And then uh, they're, they're getting their vows together. They would have this nice, I think Dr. James uh, Mitchell was, was the, uh, was the. Yeah, sinister minister. Sinister minister there was the, uh, my man doing the deeds. And, you know, they come down and Hernandez had his cut off sleeves on his suit. And I, re- I remember like his pants tripping. And trying to, they were trying to like really struggle to cover that up, and they had to send people to Walmart to get some pants for him. Uh, but anyway, the lights drop as they are going in for the kiss, and then you hear pow, and I believe that's when we go off air. And who shot Bravo? And it's like, wow! Yeah, I remember a very overacted uh, yeah. Tommy Dreamer with the with the big scream, and it faded out. Now that you know, it turned a lot of people off. Uh, I remember one particular person, Jim Cornette, uh, decided that at that point right there, uh, he had just started rewatching uh, Impact to give his opinion of it. <laughs> and he said that was the moment he decided he would never again for any reason. It didn't matter if you said Flair and Steamboat was the main event. He would never again give Impact the opportunity to make him feel that way. Uh, and a lot of people, that was the moment they said, all right, let, this is a uh, – Soap opera, this is a show. We had talked about some, you know, sometimes people take it a little too serious. At that point, Impact wasn't taking themselves too serious, uh, and they were just trying to do a little something different. What was well, your opinion of what you guys were doing at the time? I don't, I don't see it that way. Thinking back now, being 
out of contract, not working there. And, and you know, being able is, I mean, you think about it. They, they could have done nothing with us. They could have left us at home. They could have, they could have went on to Slammiversary with the, the new talents that came in. And they could have pushed everyone outside, like Rosemary and Taya. And, and, and you know, obviously there was maybe two or three or a handful that taped to Wrestle House that had to double that hard time to go back to Nashville to make the pay-per-view. So if, if, they, if Impact didn't do that, look at all the money that they could have saved. But the way I look at it is they still found a spot for those on the roster. You know, a lot of times people come to me and try to have me find negatives, not saying that you are, but they try to find the negatives in Impact Wrestling in regards to me. And, and, and the way that, you know, I look at it is they could have done that and, and, and not done that at all. And we wouldn't have had no money or we had no money in our pockets. They could have saved a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort and been right. They had a pay-per-view anyway and tapings. So, you know, as far as this, this was something cool that caught on. I mean, people have their opinions of it and that's their right. I can't say that they are right or wrong or they don't have the right to feel the way that they feel about it. But, you know, doesn't change the fact that how I feel about it is that it still put food on the table for me. And I'm very blessed and thankful to be able to do that. If that that's my honest opinion. Yeah. And now, you know, you were part of the process. You were part of the uh, the angle. You were there as a part of the wedding party. Uh, did you at the time know who shot Johnny Bravo? And if you didn't know, who did you think shot Johnny Bravo? Oh, well, you know, I knew that day. But, but I didn't know going in that it would be like turn into like – Lawrence D going to jail and like those backstage vignettes where they would bring me in, you know, with the corrections officers and AC was trying to investigate. That was pretty fun stuff. Yeah. You know? And we'll get to all that. They, you know, they went from, you know, obviously he got shot and right. then it became the big thing of like, okay, now we got to figure out who now shot there's an Bravo. investigation. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, uh, you know, while that's going on in the background, there's still uh, secondary things or other things going on in the forefront. Uh, you were in the Bound for Glory, Call Your Shot uh, gauntlet. What is it, like a gauntlet battle royal? Yeah, it's like a gauntlet battle royal. I think it was, like, what, 20 men? And then, yeah, uh, and so many random people. It wasn't just men. I remember uh, Chaggy Valkyrie was in it. Yeah. Uh, because she had a spot with uh, you and AC that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, James Storm came back. He was in it. Uh, lots of people were in I it, but I, what were your memories Rhino, of? Rhino, I, I was in after Rhino, I, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Rhino correctly. actually won the won the thing. Yeah. He got a chance to call his shot, uh, and and for anybody that doesn't know, that just means basically he can, uh, you know, choose a champion that he wants to face, and uh, almost like a money in the bank type scenario. Uh, any memories of that? Because I believe, if I've got it right, this is your first ever Bound for Glory. And that's one of their big events. That yeah. is like their WrestleMania. That I'm is. Right. That is. It's really cool to see like the days of because that's that's where you see, you know, you come to tapings on three four days. You, you dress casual. You dress nice. But like that's you. That's like where you would come. You, you hear the stories like, oh, you got to dress this suit to go to the WWE and this that and another. And you know, this is where everyone dresses their best because you know it's Bound for Glory. It's the big one, and everyone's excited. And you can see the guys and the girls there early. Everyone's on their game, you know, their, their, their bodies are in shape, they're tanned, they've, they've gotten up super early and gotten their meals in and done everything in preparation for the big day. And, you know, we all done that. And I was excited to go. I got there early myself. Even though it was a, even though it was a battle royal, I was just like so super honored to be able to take part. 
And I just remember how, how I know in a battle royal, okay, how am I going to make myself look good? You know, that sounds selfish, but I knew that I'm, I'm going to have like a little 30 to 60 second window that I get to shine. Yeah, you know, you, I get and to you show were one of the, the first world. guys, right? Like uh, you were in I was very early. early. Yeah, I was yeah, early. I may have been like six or seven or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I think you were there, and uh, you know, uh, Davari. Yeah, Davari in great shape. What are your memories I know, of Davari? Davari was the man. He he was an agent too, and like getting to know him, and he's such a such a wise you know mind for wrestling, and and he helps you understand like hard kick. Because someone like me, even being in as long as I have, it was still difficult. You know, okay, this camera's here, that camera's there, follow this. You know, he, he was really good at, like, guiding and directing you to those points with what you had, you know. And, and again, he's someone that's been, I don't know his age, but he looks phenomenal, you know. And he, he, he's just, he leads by example as far as what you should do backstage. And I don't know him personally, but I can only say professionally, backstage, he looks the part. He has the mind, and he can still get out there and go. Super nice. Yeah, and, like, those type of uh, atmospheres or matches, they put you in a place to where, you know, you get to work with guys that you wouldn't have had opportunity to work with. Uh, you know, you may not be in an angle or storyline with uh, a guy like a Davari uh, or, you know, James Storm or, Ty, you know, obviously uh, you're not going to be in a storyline one-on-one with, like, Taya Valkyrie. Those type of matches give you the opportunity to show – like, hey, here's something new. Here's an interesting chemistry. Uh, what are your memories of anything you got to do in that match? And also, uh, who lays out a match like that? Do they sit there and say, here's when you're coming in, and here's who you interact with, and here's how you need to be eliminated? Like, just give us uh, how you felt and what it was like going into it, it was, and all that. Man, I'd say it was just like any other battle royal that, that me and you have been in, to be honest with you. You know, you're sitting there with more higher talent, <laughs> caliber uh, talent, I guess you would say. Anybody that you worked with in there that you were like, hey, this was a really cool opportunity for me, or maybe a spot you remember, or something that happened uh, in the match. I, I just remember just wanting to get my shine. You know, you know me. What, what do I always say whenever whenever me and you tag? And I'm like, give me a hot tag. Just I don't care what we do. Just let me get my shine. And I, I just went in there and I just wanted to get my shine. And and then you, you may have you may have seen the spot with Tyron. Then I can't. You have to remind me of exactly how it was. But, you know, I just I just remember going in just wanting to look good. You know, I felt I went and got new gear. I went out and hit my tan. I went out and worked hard. I've been getting right. You know, I felt like it's, it's a, you know, coming out of Bound for Glory is usually the start of, you know, the new booking season, I guess you would say. And I just wanted to be my very best that day. You know, I felt like I went in and got my very best out of that. Yeah. And then uh, coming out of the Bound for Glory, you guys uh, – you know, you've had matches with established teams there in Impact Wrestling. We had talked about the Deaners. We had talked about the Rascals, uh, Reno Scum, guys like that. But now you start to get into an interesting set of matches because you face uh, teams that I would think, I know that that you feel like maybe that they had, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like maybe they had given up or maybe there wasn't a direction, but they gave you some really cool opportunities. So uh, on this night, you face the team of Chris Saban and James Storm. So you have two of the best tag team wrestlers, uh, maybe anywhere, but definitely in Impact Wrestling, you've got one half of the Motor City Machine Guns. You have one half of America's Most Wanted, which is one of the teams that really built tag team wrestling in Impact. Like, you don't get much more OG than America's Most Wanted. 
all right, so you have those two teams, but, you know, you're not facing America's Most Wanted. You're not facing the Motor City Machine Guns. You're facing, I think they call themselves Beer Guns. Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, and so Triple XL faces James Storm and Chris Saban. What are your thoughts and memories of that match? And also, tell me what you think about the Cowboy James Storm and Chris Saban. That, that, was that hard justice? Uh, was, uh, that was actually turning point. It's really was it turning point? Yeah, it's really cool because as an outside uh, outsider looking in, as a fan, these are these were really big events, especially when Jeff Jarrett formed uh, the original TNA. Is mm-hmm. you had Victory Road, you had Turning Point, you had Slammiversary, you had Bound for Glory. Very key events, and some of those are still really big pay per views to this day, and some are like Impact Plus specials. At this point in time, I believe Turning Point was an Impact Plus special. But still, what does it mean to you to be on those bigger events, or do you just look no, at it as it another was, day in the office? Man, well, you know, well, after 20 years, you kind of look at it as another day in the office. But when you get there and you kind of see the surroundings, you're like, man, this is a big-time feel here. This is cool. You know, I, I was definitely honored to be a part of Impact Wrestling, still am, you know. But, like, when you get there and you see, like, oh, cool, it's not just a ramp in the, the Tron now. It's got, like, you know, these garbage cans or these these barrels, and they've got caution tape. And you see that they've, they've made a set, to say. You know, it makes you feel good. Uh, but that particular day, I remember anything most, I feel like I had an opportunity to talk on the mic. I had a backstage interview, and, and AC and I and, and, and Saban and Storm came, and we all done, done backstage. And... I just felt like I really hit a home run, you know, and, and going, I was really confident because I started to get myself together. I felt good about my body. I felt good about my body of work. I felt good about my position. Like, hey, now they've seen me progress from, you know, coming in here to where I was at, to the work that I put in. Now I've gotten, a, we're getting an opportunity with high class uh, talent here and, you know, win or lose, we win, I feel, in that scenario. I feel like we get to go out there and show that we can work with the guys that have been there. You know, I just felt real good coming into the match itself, yes. Uh, the match was good, you know, I, as far as, you know, you can't have a bad match with James Storm or Chris Saban, I feel. You, you put both of them on one side together and you create one super machine that helps people on television get through to that, to the end of their uh, segment. I wouldn't ask for anyone outside of James Storm and Chris Saban because they're such kind individuals and they, they, they know the business through and through, right? They know for someone like me that, that is talented, someone like AC that is talented, but we might be a little overzealous and we might want to do something that's not necessary at that point and be like, hey, let's do it here and do that there. Or we don't really need that, you know? And, 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 and it makes sense. You understand it. it, it to, for me at least – Every time that I experienced anything with those two guys, I always came out with more knowledge. Yeah, and you uh, have a pretty close friendship. Uh, I've seen it firsthand with James Storm. What do, what do you think about James Storm? What do you like? Give me your opinion of the Cowboy James Storm and your friendship. I love James Storm. I, I think that he's one of the most kind individuals I have met. And, and it was really funny. Uh, we, we knew each other, but we just kind of like Jake and I, Jake Chris. Uh, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. And we had, you know, a couple of mutuals that we were really good buddies with, right? So, so you're, you're good buddies with Nick. I'm good buddies with Nick. I don't know you. You don't know me. But, hey, how are you? Uh, did we just become best friends now? You know, one of those type things. But I remember just being down there and Cat Harris came and was just hanging out at the tapings, just saying hi. 
And uh, he was like, come talk with me and Storm down in the lobby, you know. And, and I, I never I never was one to, like, go go out and hang out and drink beer in the lobby or, you know, hang outside at the at the hotel parking lot or wh- whatever. I, I'd just say hello, do my job, and go take a shower, call the kids, go to sleep, right, watch television. Uh, but I went down, and, and, and I sat and caught up with Cat Harris, and, and in the process – James Stormer and I had talked just like I had known him for, you know, 20 plus years. And, and, and man, just from that day forward, after Cat Harris was even not there, we'd still be buddies and, and talk and, you know, just shoot shit all the time to where we're real good buddies now. You know, I talked to him quite often, actually. Yeah, he came in. He was a uh, big part of our event for Generation Next Pro Wrestling. Uh, we've seen him a lot on the road since then. Uh, we saw him up in Indiana at the uh, convention that we were there for, and uh, just a really solid guy. I've, I've got to know James Storm through uh, you and through our interactions at Generation Next Pro Wrestling, and uh, man, the stories that that guy tells, and once you get to know him, I remember the first time that, uh, and I don't know if it's the first time that you met him, the first time I met him was uh, he came to the uh, Mount Sterling Garage. We used to call it the MSG, okay. uh, where the MWA had moved. When we first went to Mount Sterling, and uh, Cat Harris was there, and he was doing a little thing with uh, my trainer, Chris Hayes, and uh, they wound up doing a tag match to where uh, Cat Harris had to have a partner, and he brought James Storm out, and this was at the height of America's Most Wanted, and uh, he was there, and he was very quiet, very to himself, and you know, I think it's just mainly because he didn't know yeah, anybody outside of Harris. You know, I don't even remember that. You yeah, know. and then uh, to meet him now, so many years later, after he's became, you know, a former Impact Heavyweight Champion, and he's done everything he's right. done. Uh, great guy, down to earth. He doesn't know how famous he is. I don't talk think. about the climb, right? You know, I mean, that guy, he's done, he's done a lot, man. Yeah, and somebody else that's done a lot is uh, some of these sponsors. So we got to make sure that we uh, hit these commercial breaks, and we'll come right back, and we'll talk more about who shot Bravo. All right. All right, we're back. Man, I tell you what, I love those sponsors. I sit there every week, and uh, I make it a point that uh, I, I sit there and I watch all of the commercials. Do you watch the commercials whenever you are uh, on YouTube? Uh, Do you usually skip ads? Well, I try to skip ads. But, but not but not on this podcast, Not right? on this podcast. Me, Max, I Mike, those guys over at Skullface, they've so got some good to, stuff. I'm so used to skipping ads at the bar when we DJ that it's just like second nature now. Man, I tell you, you got to get with Nick. They've got some really I know, good, like, music, merchandise. I'm, I'm here looking at all these, like, selections of CDs. And do you know what's really cool about this place here is Monday, right? My daughter, Autumn, right? It was, it was her birthday here recently, and she wanted an electric guitar. We know absolutely jack shit about music as far as playing. Well, Nick offers lessons over here at Skullface Records, and and Monday, oh, she was so excited. She got out of school and came over here at six o'clock, and and, and he had her playing a fucking song by the end of it. Yeah, you know? there was I, I can't remember now, but there was one song that she said she came over here and Nick just showed her what was possible. Oh, that's something that's really cool. Is like he showed her something that was possible, something that she could obtain. And she was so excited to be able to play this song and to get what she obtained. It reminds me a lot of what we do over at Legends Pro Wrestling Academy. You know what you want. We show you the possibilities, and we help you get the most out of professional wrestling. We help you to be the very best you possible and to get everything out of professional wrestling that you want to get out of this business. I hope that everybody uh, reaches us over on Facebook, 
Twitter, wherever your social media needs are met. Come over and see Legendary Larry D, see Mr. Everything, Max Slid. If you're at a live event, that's how I did it. I went to the MWA. I, I stayed after the show. You know, there's always that fan that sticks around, and you're like, God, they got to get out of here. And I just waited for somebody to come up and say, hey, man, you got to get out of here. And I said, before I leave this building, I need you to tell me how I get into this business because it didn't – it wasn't common knowledge. There wasn't people saying, come to my academy, come to my right. school. And uh, I saw Tuffy. He's a very uh, great professional wrestler in this area. You know who I'm talking about. Some of these people may not look him up. Uh, and he came up to me and he said, do you see the hotline up on the wall? Uh, I said, yeah. He said, you call that. And at the end of the recording, you leave a message and somebody will get back to you. And, uh, man, I tell you what, it was the beginning of a great journey. Yeah. And I'm hoping that there will be similar stories like that when people uh, call and talk to us. Oh, yeah, I hope so. I mean, we offer every Sunday, man. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to get in there this Sunday. You yeah, know, tell we them a little bit about, you know, uh, everything that they need to know. Tuition, well, right now, uh, addresses, well, they missed all the that special. They missed the special. I, I was just doing it a third of the, the startup fees. I was just offering a third. So it was only 100 down and 100 a month. But now that special is over. So now it's 300 down, 100 per month. You're due on the second Sunday of each month. It's that simple. We train every Sunday at 5 p.m. over on uh, Hingston in Sindiana, Kentucky. Uh, if you want to become a pro wrestler, it's just as simple as reach out to me. Like, same thing. If you see me out, come talk to me. If you know someone that wants to be a professional wrestler, come talk to me. You know, if, if otherwise, you can send us an email at legendsprowrestlingacademy at gmail.com. Send us a, a Facebook message over at Legends Pro Wrestling Academy's uh, Facebook page. Again, reach out to you. Reach out to me. And you get it started in the right direction. And, and the thing is, is a lot of people are like, oh, man, money. I don't have the money. It's like, talk to me. I'm, I'm simple. I'm easy. You know, I can't do this for free. I will not do this for free because I have bills to pay with my children and myself. And we must keep the lights on in the warehouse. But, you know, I, I'm easy to work with. If you want to learn, I want to teach. You know, I, I, I love this sport so much. And I love seeing not it's it's it's, it's not a money thing. Right. Everyone thinks money. It's not a money thing. It's 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 when you see a guy or a girl that struggles with something in their real life and you give them a little getaway and you show them a little positive encouragement with a little discipline, it's amazing. Like, like I won't say his name, but, like, what about the guy that was, I want you guys, I want you and Larry to come by my apartment. I, I want to show you what I wouldn't have if you guys didn't push me, if you didn't let me believe in myself. I would, I'd still be living in my parents right now. That's why I fucking teach pro wrestling. Fuck the hip tosses. Fuck all that other shit. That's why I teach pro wrestling. Is is we we're here to help. I want. I love. I love teaching. I love seeing people progress, whether it be in a ring or in life. Yeah, you see your goals and whatever they are, whether it's in wrestling, in life, in business, whatever it is, we want to help you achieve that of and course. be your best you possible. Uh, and it's so exciting to see those people gain confidence, to gain understanding, and to gain the knowledge that they can have anything they want if they're willing to put the hard work in. And if you really visualize, this is what I want, and I'm willing to do what it takes to get it. Of course, 100%. That's, so I mean, exciting. that's what we're about. You know, that's what we preach. That's what we teach, you know. Yeah. So we talked about your match uh, with the beer guns. Yeah. Uh, and in that, we talked about, as just like a little side story, uh, Chris Harris. Can you tell us about your uh, history with Chris Harris and what yeah, you uh, – I mean, you know, your opinion of the Wildcat. I, I grew up early watching Wildcat Chris Harris. I got to see his progression from, you know, a very young, new guy entering the sport. You know, he was, I don't know, he had to be in his early 20s when I was watching him there in Georgetown. 
and then he, he progressed and you see him, you know, then, then the internet, you know, we, we all start having, remember when we were searching the internet and everything mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you start seeing him now and traveling around and, uh, then he gets into the NWA TNA, which was uh, a really big deal. And that's about the time that I got in the business, like my, my early like six months, probably and under, you know, very, very new in the business or whatever time frame I'm looking for. Yeah. And it was exciting. And too. you would watch you. You would rent those pay-per-views every Wednesday. For I, 995 I over and, a year. I rented yeah. every one of them. And, and and I would remember we would watch them and Chris Harris would be on there. And then I, I you know, you would go know that he's at the MWA on Sunday and like he's he's in shape. Like he's he, like he looks the part. And this is no offense to like independent wrestling, but like you got you got a guy that's been there that's on television. He comes to the you know, you would think like he like you can tell that motherfucker's from TV. If you don't if you don't know him at all, you know that motherfucker's a guy from TV, right? Yeah. We were we were very fortunate that uh, the area that we grew up in, Georgetown, yeah. had what was considered like the heartbeat of like Kentucky wrestling at the time, the MWA. And we grew up so fortunate. You don't even realize how fortunate you are at the time to have Wildcat well, you Chris know Harris, what I love Prince about Justice, Rob the Bomb Williams. Like, they were, we were going there each week, and it was like you're watching a Monday Night Raw but thinking, or you're watching a WrestleMania. Thinking on it, it now, huge. thinking on it now, though, if you look back and like, just 20 years ago, you had OVW, which had like their their hand picked and sent to OVW, and that's how they got trained to go to tell like Batista, John Cena, Randy Orton. Remember they would they would get these developmental deals. Yeah, when they were and, uh, WWE developmental. But the cool thing about it is that like not a lot of people know like an hour up the the way in Central Kentucky on Sundays, you had guy, guys that are homegrown. Like that's the blood and guts of independent wrestling of making it right. You have like Chris Harris, who's in these smoke-filled arenas. You have Abyss, who's in these smoke-filled arenas. You know, guys like that, that that go on. And they didn't really go to that OVW. They didn't get that hand-picked. They went and worked their way to the next level of pro wrestling. They worked their way to the higher, the, the next level tier of this promotion. And this promotion leads to this promotion, which has a little small television deal. And then this promotion leads to this – promotion the nwa tna you know just you see these guys work the pro progressively up the ladder you know i, I never paid attention to uh, no with all due respect i never paid attention to when like cena and those guys were coming up at ovw even though it was right there it, it was an hour away I, I never did pay attention to the product because i was hooked on what they were doing every sunday over there you know and i tell you who is most integral to all of that and that's Roger Ruffin uh, and the Northern Wrestling Federation and the Bone Crushers Academy. Uh, I want to make sure that we definitely get a plug in for yeah. uh, Bone Crushers because look at the amount of look talent at everyone that he's that's had. That, that yeah. he's trained. Yeah, I mean, Carl Anderson, real. you've got Abyss, you've got Cat Harris. I, Julian I, Hall. Wow. I mean, Jordan Clearwater. Yeah, Roger Ruffin, he has his finger on the pulse of what the – what you need, the tools that you need to be you know what that I love next level the of most, professional wrestler. I love the most, and the, the, the entire time that I've done business with Roger and the NWF, what I love the most is that it doesn't matter whatever student he sends, 
they they get it. You know, they come in, they they do what they're they're asked. They they're helpful. They they're quiet. They they really cause no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just just they they get it right. You know, yeah, if you're in the northern Kentucky area, the Cincinnati area, if you really want to you know, make it to that next level or you, here's the thing. Even if you don't, there is no guarantee for anybody, but if you want that understanding and you want somebody that truly loves wrestling uh, and gets it, you definitely owe it to yourself to go check out. You know, know I think is the next breakout from his scamp, Adam Swayze. Oh, I love Hollywood. Adam Swayze. He has been one of my favorites for the longest time. We did so much with him over at uh, Primetime Wrestling. I've always seen a star in that guy and uh, so very humble and willing to do anything that you ask him to do. Always He's willing such to a student continue and grow, game. yes, and to get better. Uh, that's a guy that – if he comes to you and he is he's a heel, a bad guy, he's always going to get that serious heat. But I remember looking at you at PTW and going, you know what? They hate him this bad. I know no, I can I catch fire out of this guy's yeah. hot baby face. And this guy is versatile. He can do absolutely anything, and he he's one to watch. You know, and the thing is, he's always been super talented in the ring. He's he's always a student of the game. But like what I noticed the most is like. He's worked his ass off in the gym, like him, him yeah, his, he Selena good. as well. You know his girlfriend Selena. They've really dedicated time in the gym, and they put work in, and 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 it's working. Like he he's he can be a star. He he has the mic skills. He has the in ring work. He understands when to slow down. He understands when to push the pedal. Yeah, Roger should be very fucking proud of Adam Swayze. Yeah, he is. So many guys, and you know one that you mentioned. That I mean, look at him. He's getting out there, and that's Jordan Clearwater. Yeah, I know you recently got a chance to uh, be on a show with him, reconnect with him. Yeah. How is Jordan doing? Jordan's doing wonderful. I'm so proud of Jordan. He's moved to California, and he's traveling the country with the NWA. What a great body and a great. And tan. he does like all these like physique shows, and and like he he will do bodybuilding competitions on top of continuing to wrestle. You know, so, you know, I, I don't know much about bodybuilding, but I do know that you have to, it's, it's a really tough process because you got, sometimes you have low intakes, it's, you know, you got to get everything right. And, and, and it probably fucks with your body a little bit and he goes out there and performs and he looks great doing it. And, and I'm telling you, he's another one that I feel is going to be a super big star at the NWA and then we'll go on to do bigger things. Yeah. And here's my thing too, is that some of these guys, guys like Jordan Clearwater, guys like Carl Anderson or Chad Allegra or however you know him, the main thing that they preach is bet on yourself. Bet on yourself and go out there and take a chance. So anybody that's out there listening to this podcast, if you are just driving, you know, 10, 20 miles up the road and you think you're doing something or you're working the same guys over and over and over you think you're doing something or you are doing the same character and the same gimmick and getting the same reaction from the same people and you think you're doing something you're not you've got to bet on yourself you got to put yourself out there you're only as I good as no your next money. opponent i didn't make no money worth talking about until i decided to get in my car and travel beyond 40 for you know what's the old term 40 miler that's it uh, i i didn't make any money to talk about until I got in my car and I started traveling all over this country and getting my name out there. Hey, if there's anything that people can learn from this, you know, you say it all the time. Those guys say it. 
bet on yourself right. because there's no better investment you're going to make than investing in you. Uh, you know, we, we talk, if it's good, blame me. If it's bad, blame me. But at the end of the day, by God, I'm taking it all. If, yeah. we, if we win, I, I win. If we lose, I hey, lose. I was taking my spot with Bravo. Who shot Bravo? Hey, we're going to talk more about that when we get back from this commercial break. Let's hit us with those sponsors. Would you like to donate money to our cause? Shit ain't free, man. This stuff takes money. Every little bit helps. We can do a commercial for your business. You can make you money, and then we can make money. Want to sponsor a segment or one of our shows? Want to get famous, man? Want to sponsor a show? Multiple mentions, all kinds of publicity. Email us, skullfaceradio at gmail.com. Don't forget the social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash Skullface Records Radio. Listen to Skullface Records Radio. So that same night that you got a chance to work with the beer guns was also the night that the investigation finally landed on their man. I don't know if it was right after that match, but it was some point on this show that they found out that it was indeed you, Larry D, or maybe Lawrence D, that shot Johnny Bravo. What do you remember about that? You're the you're the guy. Yeah, I mean, whenever you shot Johnny Bravo, <laughs> I go to jail. So, but but before we get there, you know, there was this segments. They had these ongoing backstage uh, segments with. Tommy Dreamer, where he would dress, he would dress up as like this investigator, yeah, like Sherlock Holmes, yeah, uh, like Sherlock Holmes, a little Holmes. like uh, plaid cape and the detective's yeah. hat, and, and, and you know, odes to AC Romero too because like he really he he bought in too, and like he had the same deal at one point, and he was he was going to investigate to break me out of jail. My question is my the same question that you guys had: What is Tommy Dreamer's jurisdiction as a law officer? Well, I believe, well, I mean, I guess you would have to go, you have to ask D'Lo Brown, who was the judge, you know, I mean, he gives all the, the power out. So I would say that Tommy Dreamer had all the lawful power at impact at that point to put somebody in jail. Yeah. So tell us about all those segments and things like all the vignettes, obviously, like Man. you said, uh, you go to court, Yeah, we went you to got court. D'Lo Brown and it, it, did he wear the powder white <laughs> wig or is this the mandela effect no no do, do i remember that wrong? he wore the wig he wore the wig he did and 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 it, it was so hard to sit there there's so many breaks in between because so many people just busted out laughing when you should be okay now we're on it's like oh, i can't take it you know uh but that was that was a lot of fun they would come up and they would question people where were you or what the night of or what did you see you know and and I liked it, too, because a lot of people would probably shit on that, right? We talked about that earlier, how some people didn't like it. But Impact did something cool out of this, is if you remember, they would still take these little backstage segments in Wrestle House that was supposed to be this throwaway show. But they would lead to these in-ring angles and storylines that would go on to bigger things, you know? So it's I don't think it was a complete waste, uh, but... I remember I was there, no, no, and then someone sprayed the, the thing, and then yeah, I'm well, down, and I'm up, the, the and it's, cool it was thing, me. Yeah, the cool thing about it is, like, the story of the whole deal is, yes, you shot Johnny right. Bravo, but Lawrence D is the one that shot Johnny Bravo. Right. So 
when you are Larry D, you don't remember the no, actions. I didn't know I'm, yeah, that's uh, what yeah. I was talking about. So therefore, yeah. you're you're honest as Larry D when you're saying, "No, I didn't do it. I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah. And here is Larry D getting like arrested. Here's Larry D getting brought to court. All this stuff is happening, and in the meantime, you it's almost like a split personality thing, and that allowed you to thing, come out of the box a little it bit. It did. It allowed me to show a little bit. It allowed it allowed me to show my range. I feel like. I got to show with Lawrence D on, you know, in front of a camera out of a ring that I had a little bit of versatility. I could do a little bit outside of just being big, burly Larry D brawler. That's it. And also you had those T-shirts made up free. Man, line, free boom, Lawrence boom, D. boom, boom. They went, you know, and I had those eight by tens. And, and man, it was, people was very generous and kind. And, and, and they loved the Lawrence D stuff. It got over. I was really worried about it. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And even though it was uncomfortable to do, I still enjoyed it. You know, and and because uh, because I'm one of a challenge, and I knew that it was a challenge to 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 do that. But I felt like it, it had potential to be something really cool. Uh, it also gave me the opportunity to get to work with Tommy Dreamer on a one to one basis, and, and I got to go into a pay per view with Dreamer, which actually that was the match that sent me to jail, if you will remember correctly. Uh, like I, I guess they they had even even though they had proven without a shadow of a doubt that Lawrence D had shot Johnny Bravo, I still had an opportunity to go on to a pay-per-view. And, and if I win, I'm I'm free to go. I'm innocent. If I lose, I go to jail. Yeah, and that was December 12th, final resolution. You guys, we had talked about it a little bit last show, uh, old school rules because obviously they don't own the rights to say ECW rules. So, therefore, it's – it's Larry D versus Tommy Dreamer Man, it, in an ECW rules match. It's it's an ECW match with the innovator of violence with Tommy Dreamer. Uh, did you ever think no. that you would be in an ECW like 15, match with Tommy 15, Dreamer? 16-year-old me is like jumping for joy, right? You know, it's Tommy Dreamer. He's cool. But he he's a man of many hats down there. You know, he does a lot. And he don't it's not like me and you if we're on there and we're on we're on the second match or the tenth match of the card or whatnot, and we have all day to get our shit together. I didn't get to do that with him. You know, he's 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 part of the office. He's part of the production. He's he's running back and forth agents and matches. He's got to get these backstage tapes together, make sure everyone. You know, he's got a lot going on. And he told me, and if you remember, I you know he had shit on my comeback earlier, that and I was like, he hates me. He fucking hates me. And, and, you know, I was just waiting to be told what to do, I guess. And he came up to me and he says, you know, I don't have time to fucking sit here. And this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's like, I don't have time to fucking sit here and uh, go over a fucking match with you. He's like, I'm going to be in and out all day. He's like, I got shit I got to do. I don't got time for this. And he says, come back, get what you want together and run it by me. And then we'll see how it goes. And then we'll put it together like that. So all day. I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, this here, what are we going to do? Well, what if he hates this? What if he fucking, oh, he's going to shit on this? You know, stuff, because the, the, I'm thinking he he hates me. You know, and so so I'm immediately, like, everything that I feel is, like, I could be really excited about something that comes to my mind one minute and be ready to shoot it to him when he comes and then turn around and check my phone, put my phone down, but that's fucking, he's going to shit, he's going to hate it. But luckily he would come back and he he was digging what I was putting down. He's like, okay, I can fuck with that. And how about what if, what if we do this here? Okay, and and it's just boom. On to, you know, he come back an hour later, same thing. Boom, 
and then it was it was great and it, we, we had weapons everywhere but one of the the things that i remember the most is that somehow these weapons was in a garbage can and then i i don't recall seeing how they got placed but he's done so many and must be so good at this that they were he boom right there turn around this is pretty much in his hand boom where i needed it, it was right there. it was placed perfectly however he would sell around he would somehow place them where they needed to be or whatnot and and the man the man's really good and, and i think i earned his respect uh after the match you know we when we speak hey you're pretty good larry d you know it's yeah, one of this, those things this was your opportunity here to where this is you you'd had singles matches but this right here, you're the star of this angle of this. This is your first big match to where, okay, this is a singles match. You're in there with Tommy Dreamer, and it's your opportunity to uh, sink or swim. And you really showed out. It was a really yeah. a good opportunity and a good showing, and maybe one of the first glimpses of what Larry D really I could do. I got a lot do. of high praise out yeah, of that. Yeah, if let go. Yeah, man, it, I got a lot of high praise. Everyone was so excited, so happy. Like, man, you killed it. You killed it. It was great. You know, it was really good, feel-good moment coming back through the curtain, knowing that you wrestled a legend like Tommy Dreamer on pay-per-view television. And, you know, everyone was excited and happy for what you did. Yeah, and that was December 12th. Uh, we didn't even talk about the fact that on uh, December 1st, uh, you got an opportunity. We had talked about, you know, you had been in there with uh, the beer guns, which right. is one half of each of these really big tag teams. But on December 1st, you and AC actually got to mix it up with the Motor City Machine Guns. So this wasn't one half of each team. You got Alex Shelley. You got Chris Saban. And some people still to this day say not just an impact, but all around one of the best tag teams in wrestling today. Uh, any memories of working oh, with the actual yeah. Motor City Machine Guns? You know, they're very quick, very fast, very smart. You know, and they know how to protect. They know how to protect their opponent. You know, uh, a lot of people will take people like AC and I, who was on. You know, they they pretty much knew we wasn't going to be the next tag champs. We were there to put them over, but uh, you know, they could easily just bump here, bump there. You know, but they they made us look so strong and like you know again they're they're teachers themselves. You know, they're very educated in the sport of pro wrestling. So when you get there, you just kind of want to learn from them as well. At least that's how I was. You know, I'm, I'm humble enough to know like these guys have done this. They have been there, right? These guys know what they need. They know what we got to get to and how to make us look great. And and from the time that we walked in, it was never about. We're going to do this to you guys. We're going to do this to you guys. We're going to do this. It was, we're going to do this, and you're almost going to, you know, we're going to do this, and we're going to shake here. You're going to move here. You know, they, it was all about us as well. It was, it was about protecting our size and getting that proper story over that they felt they needed in their head, and we got there, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I got to learn a little bit about timing and, and everything, and, and, and it was real good. And you talked about a guy that wears multiple hats. Like when we talked about Dabari, we talked about Tommy Dreamer. One of those guys also is Chris Saban. Like, what is your thoughts of and Chris Saban? They both, know. yeah, they both, they both were. They had more mini hats. Uh, Shelley was an agent for the X Division guys. Well, tell us what. Tell us about you know Chris Saban, Alex Shelley. Not just the match itself, yeah. but your opinion of oh, each guy, and obviously again, the wearing multiple hats. Uh, Chris Saban's so nice. He's one of the nicest guys you'll meet. I can't. I don't know if there's a mean bone in his body. And he's very quiet, and you get to talk to him, and you just realize, like, man, there's. I wish there was more Chris Sabins out there, and 
and he's, he's very if you do something great he he's he's there to say hey man that was really good i watched even if he's not your agent he's like hey man i watched your match earlier not that that movie did looked really good i think you should do that more i think you should think about putting that here oh maybe that should be one of your finishers right and you know or or if you come back hey what if you did this i seen you done it this way you know what if what if you what if you did make this little switch here to transition there right Things like that is, is, is what you would get from him. It's never, never felt like there was ever any ill will towards good praise or, or good critiques from him. Always super fun to be around. Shelly, he's just quiet, gets to the point. You know, I, I, you know uh, those X Division guys, I, I think he's really high on like a Trey Miguel. And he knows, like, that guy could be a star, you know. And I think that he's really good at taking people under his wing that, that you know, they have the package and he knows that they can do well. And he sees, not not for his benefit, but he just wants to see that guy move and do better things. You know, that that's – I didn't get to do many interactions with Shelly, but the very small that I did, that's what I picked up from him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is the really – uh, the whole segments that we're talking about, obviously, you worked with the Motor City Machine Guns, you worked yeah. with Tommy Dreamer, and that closes out like your 2020. Mm -hmm. We're getting ready to go into 2021, uh, and with that, like I said, you you lost to Dreamer, and therefore, Larry D is going to jail. Right. Uh, so, let's talk about that. They, they take you to jail. Uh, you obviously do some really cool vignettes from inside the jail, getting integrity, uh, or... Uh, Getting, you know, investigated. Yeah, the interrogation. Uh, interrogation, yes. Thank you so much. Uh, getting the interrogation from Tommy Dreamer. And uh, tell us about some of those vignettes, how they were to film, and uh, the fact that I, I can remember you were in jail on TV. Yeah. And uh, some fans were sending messages and things, uh, you know, asking you about being in jail on TV. God bless Even though you were running uh, independent shows. And yeah. uh, period that on work release. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that was my explanation to people is that, that it was work release. I told I, I was down like Murfreesboro one time, and I, I was like, "Yeah, they got me out on work release, man." You know, Johnny Bravo's got me framed, and this, that, and another. But I mean, those segments were so fun. the 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 most fun is 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 I think the one with AC and I where he came to visit me in jail, <laughs> and he had came and. You know, AC would have like either a beard or goatee or something along those lines. You know, all I would remember, you know, like a gruffy little thin beard. Well, this particular day we had this segment where he was going to come visit me in jail. And uh, <laughs> he shows up to tapings that day and he has a completely shaved face. <laughs> I'm talking like smooth as a baby's ass face. <laughs> and, and then he puts this. He puts his sports coat on and he puts like the investor, uh, you know, the inspector's hat on. And, you know, he says, I'm going to get you out of here and I'm going to get, you know, whatever. And I, I remember they had these these students from like tried and true and, and they were so scared to like touch. I was like, brother, you got to you got to like touch me. Your your corrections. are You got to like grab me up. I'm going to be like, get off of me. Get off of me, motherfucker. Get off of me. You know, but like. We had to take it two or three times walking down the hallway just because they were, like, timid, scared to death. So, you know, anytime you're an extra, you know, my my advice would be, like, 
don't ever be timid. You know, that's your spot to know that you're comfortable with the talent. Like, they can put you in there. They know that you can wrestle. Like, go ahead and grab a hold of somebody if you're supposed to. You're, if, you're, if you're playing a corrections officer, be a fucking corrections officer, right? You know? Uh, but, but, you know, it was fun seeing all that come together. And they, they made my hair a mess, and I didn't shave. Like, kind of like I am now. I didn't shave for this podcast because, you know, I didn't shave today. But, you know, it looked, looked like I was just in some bad, rough shape, bad, tough times. And it, it made for good TV, I felt. You know what else makes for really good uh, podcasting? Those commercials. Ah. So we're going to pitch to a commercial, and we'll be right back to uh, tell some more of this story because I'm loving where it's going. Buy your stuff from Skullface Records. Get off your asses and do it. So you, you're in jail. And you guys are doing this. Uh, do you remember anything else that would people would consider interesting about just the process of uh, filming that? Did you do all that in one day? Yeah, that was all one day. That was that. The thing about those is like you would catch those like in between. So say you your call is is noon. You would eat till one. You from one till two. Then you start you start taping at two whenever you have empties. And and then you know they would have match. And then while the matches are going, you might you know you might get your agents, hey, come get your pre-tape, and then and then you go, and then they have it's just like a television set, you know. You go in, and then you know you got your table, whatever your set, your whatever you're supposed to be. That there it is, you know. And and that was a side that I wasn't used to, because on on the independence, it's just oh well, man, you're on the fifth match, go out there and fucking kill it. And, All right, thank you for coming, you know. And then you might get a video promo, but never do you go back there and there's a fucking set and you got producers and like, okay, here's what's going to happen here. And you're going to say, this It's very important that you say this right here, you know, and you might shoot it two or three times. Luckily, you know, my segments, you know, they were, they was always two or three minutes, you know, but I didn't have a whole lot to have to remember because it was more like, you know, whatever. So what kind of like, did they tell you like, okay, Hey man, you know, you shot Johnny Bravo. We're going to send you to jail. Did they tell you, like, okay, and it's going to lead to this, or we're going to do this, uh, and if they didn't, did you feel like, okay, this right here is my opportunity. Like, here I am, I'm in jail. Whenever this angle wraps up, it's off to the races. Larry yeah, D is going gonna, is gonna to shine. I was thinking, like, okay, now once I get out of jail, I'll, I will get this. Okay, now he's that. now he's that. now he's free to where I would come back and be on a little tear. I, I had thought, but you know, because again, I'd started to work real hard. I was lost 90 pounds, got myself together. And, and I just felt like it was time right there, right there now, you know, now's time. I'm getting my high praise for everything that I'm doing. My work is there, you know, everyone's big on me. Uh, now I know, I know something's around the corner that's gonna, that's gonna go good in my direction. Now, I remember you had thought, had come up with a really cool idea that, like, you could be, you know, in the prison outfit and breaking out of your cuffs and, you know, all sorts of stuff that could happen coming out of, you know, being in jail. 
But what we find out is that they really don't have those visions of grandeur uh, because, yeah, you shot Johnny Bravo. But it comes out that you shot Johnny Bravo because Talia Valkyrie had sprayed the, uh, you know, the cologne, rust, the yes. ring rust, had turned you into Lawrence D to use your jealousy that here's this woman who pretended like she wanted you and now she's trying to go with Bravo. So you shoot him and it becomes kind of secondary. You know, it, it sounds very interesting when I say it out loud, but it becomes secondary to the fact that, okay, now the attention is on. Yeah, well, it's, like, it's almost like the biggest majority of the show was Lawrence D until it got to the final chapter, and it's like, oh, now you're out of the way. Yeah, and it was yeah. just their way. It was it was a pretty big angle, but I feel like that they felt the heat off of people being like, this is silly or this is stupid. Right. They didn't go for the full ride, but just saw what it was, and I feel like that they felt that heat, and it became a secondary way of just writing – Talia Valkyrie off of the show. She was uh, leaving Impact. Her contract was up. Uh, we know that she would go to WWE or NXT, however you want to say it. Uh, but she was leaving Impact. So they used it to where I don't know if it initially was meant to be this way. I don't know if they had a bigger scheme, uh, a grander scale. But she was the reason that you did it. And then the police drag her away. She goes off because she is the one behind all this. <laughs> And what now was no longer. What was the one liner that Dreamer said on her way out? I, I don't remember, but it was all tongue in cheek. Yeah. To be like, ah, you leaving? Ah? <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think they were sent her to a jail in Stanford, yeah, Connecticut. That was, it. that was it. It was like, you're going to do your five years in Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. So, maximum, you know, she got out, on, penitentiary she got or out on good behavior. She's yeah. back in impact now. Yeah. Good for her. Uh, and, uh, she's back in impact, and you're, you're sitting here with me. So hey. it, it shows. It's a win win. Hey. That's it. <laughs> so, you know, we we had talked about it earlier when uh, I told you how we were going to be talking about the Who Shot Bravo, and I compared it to Rikishi, how uh, Steve Austin got hit by a car, and people were like, oh, my God, this is the biggest thing in the world. Somebody has killed Steve Austin with his car, and it, it's the, oh, who did it? Who did it? And everybody is going, it's Triple H. Triple H is the biggest heel. Triple H went to Austin out of the way. Triple H hit him with a car. Triple H is proven innocent, and it comes out of nowhere, big swerve, bro, that it is Rikishi that hit Austin with a car. And Rikishi, uh, Rikishi gets this, like, small little heel turn, but ultimately it's because Triple H asked him to do it. <laughs> Let's get our attention back on Triple H. He's so awful. There you go. He, he's behind Steve Austin getting hit by this car. And then people forget the Rikishi thing. And a couple months down the road, they just, you know, switch him back to back being. Back to being old dancing uh, baby face. Yeah, dancing baby face, backing his ass up on people. And uh, it's kind of like that. All this attention. It really is. All this possibility. And now, uh, okay, well. Uh, Ty is gone. Let's let you out of jail and uh, on to the next one. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not sure they ever referenced it again. I don't think um, just in, up around Wrestle House 2. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Lawrence D does make his return. That but, was it. Uh, you know, we're into 2021 and they do continue at least with uh, a little continuity because you continue your battles with Decay because 
they are, you know, they're still upset with you. You're upset with them. They just had you unfairly incarcerated. Yeah. Uh, you know, it turned you know, a part of the storyline was that, you know, obviously I Rosemary was a part well, I, of I think it. I had a few good matches with Crazy Steve in that little rip after yeah, though. Yeah. You uh, Crazy Steve and that's about the time that, you know, obviously Abyss is gone, so they need to fill out Decay. Black to and they bring in Black Taroos. That way he's and, super talented. Yeah, him, Black Taroos, Rosemary. You've got the new Decay, the the family of is Decay. Is Black Taroos still there? Uh, yes. Is he? Yes, good, off good. and on. I know that he also does like AAA yeah. uh, shots and all that, but uh, he is still there. I don't – you don't see him in Crazy Steve as much. You always see Rosemary. What a – all of this revolves around Rosemary. What do, you, what do you think about Rosemary? I think that she's extremely talented. I think that she understands business, and, and proper business for her is their impact. You know, I, I think that she is definitely a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done there at Impact. And, you know, you think about Decay. Look at, look at like, the groups there that have came through. If you go back, Decay is probably the longest running, if, right? I don't know about longest running, but I mean, it definitely like had an impact because it just started as like a novelty type thing. It's like let's put these people together and they'll do something cool, but it's been long running. They I think, are always I think like the best thing themselves. that they did there was put just uh, put Abyss with them. Is is put him as part of that group? Yeah, I tell you what, I hated though. I, I to this day I hated when they took the mask they off. Took the mask off of him, and I know that obviously you know that sometimes you want to reinvent yourself. You want to show that. You can do other things, but when they took that mask off, I was just like, "Come on, man!" I that liked. mask makes him a, like a monster, a yeah. star. When the mask is off, it's just. I remember he came to our show and he said, uh, I, "I know what you guys might say. Uh, if you guys want the mask, I, you know, I've got it with me." And it's like, "Yes, please." <laughs> I, I I tell you though, but like he is so good at doing all kinds of shit. You remember Joseph Park? Yeah, yeah, it, and it. It was it was hit and miss, but it was definitely another chance for him to show outside of his wheelhouse, and a lot of people are still very entertained by him. Then he was. His I boy. liked him as uh, ju- what we knew him as before he even got there as Justice, Prince Justice. or Prince Justice. He he was a star. He always carried yeah. himself as a star. He was always and that guy on the indie show. If if, you know? if there was anything that you can say about him, is he's too kind and too giving, and yeah. he'll bump all over the place yeah, for man. everybody. Yeah, I always enjoyed times with Abyss, man. Super nice. Again, he was my hand in. You know, he was my open door. Not open door, but, like, he was my, hey, you know, come hang out. Come meet everybody. Yeah, you know? tell us about that relationship with Abyss because, obviously, at one point in time, we're fans in the crowd and we're watching him. Yeah. And people are chanting Blueberry, and we know him from that aspect. But what was it like the first time that you got to get into the ring with well, him and share a ring and start to form that relationship? You're kind of intimidated by him at first because he's that fucking good. You know, he has that that level of respect from everyone, and you don't want to be a fucking idiot. You don't want to be that guy that don't know how to talk to the upper, you know, level talent or whatever. Uh, but really and truly, I got to know him. Whenever Chris would run those, like, remember he would do, like, Owenton and – like sand gaps and yeah. things like that. And really big sideshows. And he would have like Justice come in. And some of the times Justice would be off, you know, a big heavy plane run or some kind of big stretch of matches that he's, you know, and he didn't just wrestle. Like he fucking, he would wrestle, but then he would do like fucking hardcore, you know, like get split open. And, you know, he was never one to shortchange. But wow, he's so giving with his body yeah. and with his style that, no, even up to the, like the very last part of his career when he had to slow down a little bit because of the yeah. wear and tear on his body, and I remember, he still wanted to give 
everything he had and always was like, that was good, right? It I remember good. particularly like Chris, he said, I had Abyss in a singles match, but I know that he's banged up and I'm going to put him in the tag match, even though he don't want to, you know, do it. You know, he don't want to do it. He'll want to do the singles, but I'm going to, you know, whatever. So, you know, came in and I got to like do the work, hot tag to him. You know, we were heels, but he, he, he helped me understand how because i was saying things like doing things he's like oh, i don't think you should do that there you know and from there i'd see him at the shows and obviously chris was pushing me at the time and, and he would talk to me and, and guide me and help me and then uh the biggest thing about the abyss is when we become really close friends is when my first marriage ended and i remember uh majors and daryl uh went up to an nwf show and he had asked where i was because i was usually with them and uh, he had told him that I was getting divorced, that you know, marriage has ended, this, that, and another. And he immediately got Daryl to give him my cell phone number. And I remember getting this like Cincinnati area code or whatever. And I like hit the old cafe button. Cause I don't know who it was. I was, I didn't care to talk to anyone at the time, you know? And then after about the third call in five minutes, he sends me a text. He was like, it's justice motherfucker answer. And then he called again. And then he was like, hey, man, I just wanted to call and check on you. I heard uh, that your wife and you were going through some bad times. I just want you to know I'm care about you. This is my personal cell phone number. Call me. Reach out anytime you need to talk. And and, and about as busy as he was, about once a month, man, he would take time out, and we would text all about two or three hours throughout the day, or he would call, you know, once a month. And we would just shoot the breeze, and he was just super fucking nice. And, and I told him. Like I was getting back, you know, because remember, I was like, I'm leaving the business. I'm getting my wife back. This and another. And like when I got back and he seen that I was booked on the NWF show, he had called me and talked about how happy he was that I got back in. And it was just super, you know, super fucking great. I love that guy. Yeah, he's so down to earth. Like uh, so many of the guys that come out of the Northern Wrestling Federation and out of Bone Crushers, you know, Carl Anderson, uh, Abyss, all those guys. If anybody asks me, I just tell them that. They they don't know how famous they are. No, they, they don't. They never talk to you any different than the way we're talking right now, and they're so humble and they're so grateful, and that's why I'm so happy and proud for those guys. Uh, you know, Carl Anderson had a great New Japan run, a WWE run. He's a rock star. He's all over the world, and yeah. nobody deserves it more. Uh, and and look at Justice. He's at Impact Hall of Famer. He has the respect of everybody in this business. And now he's up there, and he's got the ear of Triple H. He's got the ear of Vince McMahon. And, you know, he gets to wear that suit and tie and travel around the world, and he doesn't have to take those bumps anymore. And he's so respected, and he's so loved, and nobody deserves it more. No, I agree. They couldn't ask for a better guy. You know, he's you, – if you hear his story, he gave up a six-figure job to learn to wrestle. You know, he was – I didn't know that. Yeah, he was doing advertising for, like, one of the hockey teams in Pittsburgh. And uh, he he quit his job to go learn to wrestle, and he bet he bet on himself, and, and it fucking works, you know. Not only that, but you're looking at a guy that is so loyal. Uh, he has always made it a point to come and help us anytime he can. When we did PTW, oh, yeah. uh, he always comes back to Rogers. Uh, and I remember fest shows. All I that remember stuff. he sent me a text. We had a show at six o'clock. He sent me a text at noon that said that he was still in a hotel room in Canada because his hip was bothering him so much. And I told him not to worry about it, just to fucking, you know, get home and rest. 
believe that he got off the airplane at Cincinnati and came right to Georgetown, Kentucky. He he landed at four o'clock and he showed up at like five thirty there at uh, Georgetown Convention. No, not the convention center, but the bingo hall that we did. Sure yeah. did. And and the thing is, is like here's a guy that Tommy Dreamer saw him, and he tried to get him to come to the WWE uh, to try to run an angle with the Undertaker. This could have been his big opportunity. You know, he could have worked a WrestleMania match with the Undertaker, and who knows how we would be talking about him now. And this is a guy that stayed with Impact Wrestling, and he stayed there because he's so loyal and he's so humble, and you couldn't ask for a nicer guy. No, man, I'm so happy for where he's at right now. If anyone deserves it, that guy deserves it, yes. Yeah, very good guy. I'm so glad that uh, our path crossed with him. Uh, you're a lot like him, I feel. Oh, because you I appreciate try that. To, yeah. You try to give back to so many people. And, you know, there there's the aura of like, oh, I'm Larry D. I'm a big star. Yeah. But anybody that knows you knows that that's not you, that you're just you're just a guy that, you know, puts his boots on one, uh, one foot at a time and – tries to get back to the business and you're doing that over at legends pro wrestling academy uh, i hope that anybody that wants to make it in this business uh seeks out of bone crushers seeks out of legends pro wrestling academy because there's still so many good people in this business and you don't want to go down the path the easy path and you don't want to go down the path of somebody that's just looking to take your money or it's just about the money yeah, you might have to work hard. Yes, there may be setbacks. But if you learn one thing from the story that we're telling, uh, all these stories, is that, yeah, you're going to get – your life's going to set you back. But keep going forward because you're going to get whatever you want if you're willing to work hard and keep pushing forward. Yeah, it all works out at the end of the day. That's it. We're going to hit a couple uh, more commercials. We're going to come back. We're going to try to wrap this thing up. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. All right, we're back. Uh, February 2nd, you had talked about you had a match with Crazy Steve. You actually won that match. You beat Crazy Steve on Impact Wrestling. Uh, you went on from there to go to No Surrender, and we had a six-person tag. So it was you and AC, and you guys teamed with Tennille Dashwood to take on the full combined team of Decay. So you got Black Tarus, you have Crazy Steve, and you have Rosemary. Uh, do you remember anything about those set of matches against Decay and maybe that uh, mixed tag? I remember I remember having some really good matches with Crazy Steve. Like, you know, we, we obviously were friends. We had really good chemistry. We worked well together. Uh, as far as that mixed tag goes, it really was a very simple basic mixed tag i don't you know probably appeared bigger than it was i don't really remember too much of you know anything that stood out to me as far as it just being a basic you know we, i think we didn't have very long our our segment may have been eight ten minutes total yeah it, so, was, it was a lot of like what we're getting to here is like you beat crazy steve yeah. then you guys had the uh you know six person tag and put them over i think they were just kind of closing out the angle right you know because the finale of the angle. I think it goes back to the like you said earlier. It's 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 like you get there, and then oh, by the way, you're back to the side because I th I think it was more so at that point on Tennille and uh, Rosemary. Yeah, and I, like I said, I feel like it was just closing it yeah. out because the the final match in what you would consider the the feud, the end of it came not even on an impact, not on a pay per view, not on a uh, a special event. It was on before the impact. Right. It was you guys against Decay, just Crazy Steve and Black Tarus, and you mm -hmm. guys put them over, and that was that was the end. Like all of this, who shot Bravo, everything that you guys had done, Wrestle House, it all ends on a 
on a you know pre-show on the before the impact. Yeah, I mean, it 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 got us there. I, I guess it got where we needed to be, but then it didn't it didn't uh, do anything for us after. I should say, you know, and, and that's I guess that's the, the the easiest way to put it. Without not, I'm not salty about it. It's just that that's where we was at in the company. You know what I'm saying? It was just, that's just that was our spot. We looking we back, there. what do you think about your feud with Decay? Do you oh, think it was just an ends to a mean, or did you did it mean something to you? Oh, I think it meant something to me personally because I was I was friends with really good friends with the people that I was doing it with. But I knew at the end of the day that it was to we wasn't we wasn't going past that. I, I didn't feel like I guess we're at that point in time in creative of like frustrated like you could get something and still like halfway believe like, well, it's not, it's still, you know, we might win this one, but we're going to lose the next six, you know. And what was your, any like final thoughts on the angle itself with who shot Bravo? Oh, I, I think, I think it, I think it kept me there. I think it kept me, it, it kept me there and gave, if nothing else, it gave me hope, you know, that there's still more. I remember having multiple conversations with you like, well, man, if they want to run with this Lawrence D, let's do it. You know, that puts Larry D on the shelf, and that still makes him relevant when it's time to come back. I felt like it was it was good. I was excited. I mean, as far as overall, it helped me. Uh, I, it showed that I, I the world that I can be diverse. I, I can, I can, you know, I have range. Uh, I, I can go outside the box a little bit than what you're used to seeing. You know, I, I think it, it earned the respect of producers. Uh, on the on the backstage side to know that like man he can hit these lines and man he can play this part and he can do kind of what we need to do you know moving forward and I, uh, you know as far as where I'm at now and and, and where it was is is I feel like going out of there I can now hit any backstage promo I can hit whatever I need oh I can hit uh whatever whatever I need you know whatever's asked of me I feel comfortably feel that I would I would be able to do so right you know as far as that that angle as a whole uh for triple xl i think i think that we went in as triple xl and we came out as triple xl still on the losing side how do you feel people will remember that angle or do you feel like it's going to become one of those things that's forgotten over time no I, I don't think it will be forgotten because i think that it got over i think it's one of those like uh it's just a rememberable part of impact wrestling was wrestle house you know and and uh, it was it was something that I'm blessed to be a part of. It was something that I'm happy to know that years from now, you know, they, you might not be able to go. You probably have to find my matches. You might have to dig a little deeper years from now. But I don't think you'll have to search very hard to find Wrestle House 1 and 2 if you want to see me on there. Yeah, we know that this is the last time that we're going to see Lawrence D until we get to the next season of Wrestle House. We know right. that uh, from this point, the Decay feud is over. Lawrence D is is on the shelf until they need him again. Yep. It's back to that triple XL mean tag team. Some big matches are coming up, but you know, that'll probably be a story for another day. But what I want to also make sure is that, is there anything that you want to say? There was a huge uh, internet fan base. There was a swelling of support for Larry D for Lawrence D. So what do you have to say to all of your fans out there who supported you throughout the Impact Wrestling and specifically through this run where they were excited that they were seeing Lawrence D. They were excited they were seeing Larry D on their TV and that they wanted more, that they were ready for it. What do you say to all those fans Man, who supported you? I, I say thank you because, you know, those fans kept me pushing in the gym. 
those fans kept me going late at night, you know, and and and, and just seeing they them appreciate what I was doing, not only in the ring, but you know, at home as well, was far bigger payoff than any kind of monetary that I could get because you know I had people on Twitter, you know, DMing me and, and people on Facebook tagging me and posts about, man, I see Larry Jones out here, you know, killing it and doing this, and I, it's, it's got me started in my own journey. And, and then you see them, they're, they're progressively tracking their, you know, their, their success. And, 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 you know, I didn't do it for them. I simply was just doing it myself. And they, they motivated them to where they feel like they owe me a thank you. And they don't owe me nothing. I, I thank them for allowing me to, to continue to push and continue to want to be the best. I still want to be the very best. You know, I still want all those things in life. I want to, I want to motivate and I want to, continue to to help others and, and I can't do that without support of, of that I've had I've been blessed to have such a tremendous uh support system you know over all of this and, and and I can't thank everybody enough for what they've done and motivated and allowed me to achieve do you want to take this time publicly uh there's lots of people that listen to this we're on Spotify we're on YouTube I hope that people are you know, giving it a like. I hope they're giving it a share. Subscribe. Hit that bell icon to never miss an episode. But in front of all these people, in front of God Almighty, do you want to take this time to apologize to Johnny Bravo for what you did? Do you feel bad for what you did to Johnny Bravo? I, I don't feel bad. Like, I, I can't feel bad because I didn't shoot him. Well, you, uh, you did shoot him. Lawrence D shot him. Well, you you are Lawrence D. I don't recall that. Oh wow, <laughs> that's uh, plead the fifth, right? Yeah, man. Uh, but something we won't be pleading the fifth on is coming up next, right after these last commercial breaks. It's ask Larry anything. We're gonna get those fan questions out of you the way. You know about these commercial breaks, though, man. We need some more. We need some more supporters. Oh man, I would love to get. Where's sponsors. these local businesses that that Sponsor. we talk about? Where's these? Where's these sponsors at? Let's yeah, not let's, just let's sponsors, spread but the word. Partners. Yeah, that's it. Be a part of this experience. Be a part of this show. Be a part of me, Max, and a mic because there's lots of ears on it, and I would love for each and every one of them to hear about your local business and to come yeah. visit you and say, hey, I heard about it on the podcast. We'll be right back after these few words. Some creepy guy is stalking you in the parking garage at 3 a.m. But you're not worried because you have a Bright for War Industries knife strapped to your belt. Don't be a victim in this crazy world. Protect yourself. Carry a knife made by Bright for War Industries. It may save your life. Hi, this is Josh for Bright for War Industries. I'm a professional knife maker with 15 years experience. If you're looking for a unique gift or a high-performance piece of cutlery for the kitchen, the field or for personal protection look no further look for me on instagram at bright for war all right we are back with ask larry anything i want to encourage all the fans make sure you're sending those questions in because we will actually answer anything that you send us and uh, you know, that can be a scary thought because, you know, we don't hold back. Mm. Uh, so I've got a couple questions here. Jose wants to know, when did uh, you or when did we realize that everything legendary was the perfect tag team? 
uh, whenever we started knocking motherfuckers out. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's a good time, man. You know, you got to vibe with someone. You got to have, uh, you know, someone that you're comfortable with to, to have just the same amount of fun genuinely as you are. And that's, that's what we do when we're out there. I really feel like that we grew together as a team, too, and became uh, much more natural. Uh, the whole initial thought process behind it was that, you know, you were you were a name in our company. I was a name in in our company. I'm not saying on right, a big PTW. scale, but uh, right there in PTW. But you can't always be on top of the card. Some people always want to be, you know, the champion, or they always want to be on top. The initial idea was, hey, we've got to push up from underneath. We've got to build stars. So what can we do so that we're not in a main event, that we're not in a uh, mid or a uh, mid angle and the initial idea was okay well if we are on a team if we do tag team matches even just a couple that puts us in a tag match that's one match and that leaves four or five other matches that other people can be in and especially towards like the top end of the card it was just a means to an end to get us out of bigger angles and top angles and give us something to do where we're there people see us and it's a poster draw but that it's not that it that we either one of us have to be in the main event neither one of us have to work for a championship initially as a team we weren't even gonna work uh against the tag team champions no. we weren't gonna do any of that we were just gonna be on the show and it's like hey there they are you want to see them yeah. they're together and they're in one match here's four or five others now you're out. and it was only through uh, there was some personal stuff going on with the tag team champions at the time, and they needed somebody to work with, and obviously the tag titles had to go on yeah. a team we knew would be there. And it also is usually with the tag teams, you're going to go have a second or third spot unless it's a huge angle that pushes it towards the main event. So it kept us relevant without us having to be – in the top spot. I always believe in building the future. No, I agree. And that's what we're, that, of course, that's what we're, that's what we're built on is building the future. You know, the yeah, future I mean, is us because we can keep building it. That's it. But you know, <laughs> and in the process of that too, like we became a heck of a tag team. Like I, I think we fired off for a uh, very long time and had some really good matches. Uh, his follow-up question is what was your very favorite, everything legendary match? I guess a tag team match. Oh, I know mine while you're thinking. Uh, my mom had died, and we did oh, a did the this benefit is the Friday show. night that we worked against Brandon Taggart and Austin Tyler yes, Morris. That was, was absolutely the very best match that we had. It was so good. And, I, you know, obviously I look at it with rose-colored glasses because everybody's there, and they were giving me so much love, and I get, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I had some of my – it's so it, – I'm not a huge star. And, you know, in this area, I do pretty well for myself. And I've, I've went outside the area, but I'm not a huge uh, wrestling star. I'm not, a, I'm not signed to Impact Wrestling. I'm not signed to the WWE. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just me, and I do, I do pretty good with that, and I help to build the future. But I've had killer matches with, like, with you. I, yeah. I, we've, we've, we had a match, the very first match when we opened our own building uh, in Paris, yeah, and we I, were the I very first the match. Out of you. Yeah, but it was it was a very good match. I, I wish, I always say, I wish I could take the knowledge I have now 
and go back in time and have the knowledge I have now and apply it to those matches because even the ones that are good, you look back and go, ooh, but if we'd done this. Right, yeah. But two of the guys that we talk about building, building like the younger talent and taking guys that are at the bottom of the card and watching them progress. There's no better story for my, you know, backstage life, for my creative life. If I have, if, if I have to put my stamp on one thing, it's seeing a guy like Austin Tyler Morris. It's seeing a guy like Brandon Taggart and watching them come from, you know, Austin Tyler Morris was uh, Mark Morris's son. He was in the crowd. He's just this little skinny kid. Uh, Brandon Taggart's packing his gear in a Papa John's bag. Yeah, man. Guy, you know, he's waving an American flag, and they're they're working each other in flag matches on like first and second. I think it just it, it just tells you like when you care about the business and you care about people, it, it's easy to help them. Look at look again. Look at Brandon Taggart. I told you I was like, man, I like that guy. I don't know what I like about him, but I like him. I'm telling and you. And then we took him, and you took him, and you made him creatively. And it's not just you know when you say that, that people are like, oh, that's cocky. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I had a I had a creative vision. Yeah. And I had what I put I put the pieces in place. But it was their hard work. Some people it was their just dedication. need a little extra guidance, and man. they had it though. Yeah. They just needed somebody to believe in them and put them in those positions. There were so many guys that just like they didn't see it. They don't want to give up those top spots, and you have to. I, I tagged with a guy one future. time that refused to go to Indiana because he thought that we was going to put young kids over. You got to. You got to build it. You. I went, on, I, lose, went on to be, I went on to. I went on to get a singles run from there and be uh, the the world champ four or five times. Got yeah. you one step closer to your yeah, dream. They did. They did. Uh, but the that match that I remember is that match with us against them. I agree. Uh, I think that at, was probably the best. At the time, ATM is a hot baby face. Brandon Taggart is a hot. We always heel. wanted to run and that we, one we again, and we that, never got the chance. Man, they were so good as a team, but individually. I've had some of my best matches in my entire career against those two guys. I used to joke with both of them that they were feuds that would never end because we would wrestle a million times yeah. and every time it was so good. You and Taggart had some good stuff. Uh, me and Taggart, for everything that I did to help build him up the card and make him, in my opinion, I didn't, and, not, and I hate to say make him, it's help him become – the greatest primetime wrestling heavyweight champion of all time. Well, I mean, it's okay to say make because you, you as the veteran knows, like, man, I know this is, you know, he, he don't it, see this now. But, but it's his hard work, man. Of I mean, course, this guy no, here went to, he's went to Evolve. He's one of the best big men that have came through here in the last two decades. I'll say that. The saddest thing for me is looking at a wrestling landscape now yeah. and not seeing There's not Austin many Tyler. Taggarts well, out there. Not, yeah. not just seeing any. I don't see the that I don't see Brandon Taggart. No. And I don't see ATM and right. so they they owed their self I'll so tell you who's coming much along more. that reminds me a lot of ATM is Gaston LaRue. He's just got his generation next uh, world title here, his heavyweight title. He's he's got like he's three got belts now. Titles all over the world. He's going to wrestle for a tag team championship. Uh, he's AWA champion, the Supreme Champion. Now he's the generation next pro Good wrestling for him. heavyweight he's champion. He's working hard, man. Uh yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes and uh so happy whenever I talk about those matches with like ATM and Brandon Taggart because they were they're very they are still very talented. I have no doubt that they could come they back could and go fire out here tomorrow just and get as down. hard. And uh, 
you just it means a lot to talk about those guys. And if if for some reason you don't know who those guys are, look them uh, up. Look them up. Look up those matches. Uh, message me. I'll sure send them to you. Yeah. Uh, so that wraps up that set of questions. Uh, there is a fan question uh, just out there. They didn't leave their name. They sent it anonymously, and they wanted to know how do you feel is uh, or what do you feel is the difference between TNA wrestling? So like the Jeff Jarrett impact uh, or TNA, uh, you know, you got Je- the asylum years. Obviously, uh, they also say here to reflect on like the Kurt Angles, the Kevin Nashes, the Christian Cages, that era of impact wrestling and the era of impact wrestling that you were a part of and maybe that is now. Like what's the difference between the old school idea of we'll just call it TNA and the new vision of impact wrestling? I think I think the biggest difference is is, is just like the networks alone of like the eyes on the product. I feel like you know, TNA was was they like they had Kurt Angle, they had you know every everything that you would do, and I feel like if if they still have super talented uh, wrestlers down there, but I feel like their problem has always been you know getting the eyes on the products because they jump around a lot of uh, networks and such. But when T, if you remember when TNA first started, you could come home from school on Friday and watch Fox Sports Net. And there they was, you know, and then they got those Monday night slots, which I didn't think was the best for them, but it was on Spike, you know, and then they moved to those Thursdays. And and when they was on like Spike TV, man, you know, it was very easy, very accessible to watch. Now I feel like you have to search a little bit, you know, to find it, you know, as opposed to when you just go on Spike TV and click it on the channel, you know. Yeah, I talked to a guy and he said, it's so funny because back in the day, like the Meltzers and the fans, uh, would look at the impact ratings when they had like Kurt Angle yeah. and Kevin Nash and all that, and they would laugh. They're like, oh, look, those are horrible ratings compared to WWE. And now when you compare those ratings to what they do now, it's like, God, I wish we could go back to those days. Right. We were killing it. It was fire. Yeah. I, I think it just boils down to just having having the right eyes on it. I mean, you know, we're lazy as people. You know, people in general are lazy. And they're, they, if they can't click their remote to the channel, then they're more than likely not going to search it unless they're, like, die, die hard fans, you know? How would Larry D have fared in that Jeff Jarrett TNA? I think I would fare just as good as any time. I feel like at any given time I could wrestle any era. I feel like given the proper opportunity that I would strive and succeed just like I would then or now. If you had to pick one opponent from that the old school TNA, who would it be? Abyss. Who, Abyss. Yes. You, you've worked him a hundred times, but Abyss. you want the big the because I know I know that we'll be on we, when 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 it mattered. I've wrestled him so much, but when it really truly mattered, when that when the biggest red light that's ever been on us would be there, and I, I would have the opportunity to know that like I would I could have a flawless fucking match on on th- that scale. I'd want to look across from Abyss. Is Impact still what it used to be? I feel like it is. I feel like I feel like the the goal has always been to be the very best. I feel like, you know, the 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 path to get there might be a little rougher for one or the other. But either way, I feel like the goal is to be the very best. I, so I, I would say it is. I think I would like to think any company would want to strive to be the best. You know, Taylor wants to know. You know, you talk about your camps, your training school. He said, have you ever seen anybody walk into your camp and more importantly, like Legends Pro Wrestling Academy, and you look at them day one and you know, oh, my God, this is a star. 
Has anybody ever walked in and you know right then and there that you've got a star on your yeah, head? Yeah, there's been well, there's been a few. We talk about it all the time. The problem is when the, when they appear to be a star and they walk in, and the the thing is when the hard work starts, you know. And and the worst part is like you have people that know that they they have something behind them coming in, so it's harder to teach them because they have it in their head that they already have it. If that makes sense, you know. Uh, but but you know. Just like we always say, everyone's on equal ground. I don't care if you are, you know, way terribly out of shape or you're, you've are you got yourself in tip-top shape. You, you guys still start on the same level ground and you earn your respect the same way. Who is the biggest star that you feel you've developed, helped a hand in developing, or that you feel like with the proper coaching and the proper motivation will be that future star? I know that you talked about Kellen Craven, but is there anybody else? I mean, it, overall, there is one guy that I feel that, that I, I had a hand in mentoring that could have been really, really big and really something was, was uh, Matt, Big Matt from up in uh, Northern, uh, Big Cuz. I think whenever Big Cuz was active in the ring and coming down on those Sundays and working out with us and he was hopping in the car with me and going across the, the, the states with us and stuff like that, I, I wish that he was, you know, unfortunately, the concussion thing uh, cut him short. But I, I wish that he was still, you know, had had that time that's missed here. I, I think that he, if he if he had still been in, he didn't have that unfortunate. He and, and he put the proper efforts in, and he put the continue to train and hit the gym and do everything. I think that he could be big money one day. A uh, random fan sent in a question: uh, Why do people, especially in North America, shit on Kenny Omega? I think it's because they just don't understand. I, I think it, I think it's one. Uh, you have people like that like to listen to the Cornette episodes, and, and, and you know they fucking hate him. And then you got the people that fucking love him. I think it boils down to just if you don't like what you like, you don't like what you like. If we you talked like about you, you don't like, like it, you like just turn like. it off. Right, it's wrestling. You know, you know. I like to, I like to uh, fucking mix my cereal to the right. My wife likes to mix hers to the left. You know, I mean, it is what it is. It's not for everyone. And I think it's one of those things of like your opinion, even though. Even though you are you you understand it, well, I'm gonna go off of your opinion because you're the expert. So so people that listen to the experts on say podcasts or these vlogs or whatnot, they have the same opinion because they're getting it from their source of information. Is like fuck that guy. And then if you listen to the other side, it's like that's fucking amazing. Did you see that guy? How fucking talented he is. He went out there with that fucking blow up doll in front of the fucking world and had a hell of a match with it. You know, would so, Larry D work a blow up doll? Oh fuck yeah, if it pays right. Wow, what? You think you could beat it? No, according if it's on impact, try my best. Yeah. So I have a string of questions here from Logan, uh, but before his questions start, uh, I had told you before the show, uh, Logan had sent me a personal message early this morning, and he wanted to thank us for doing this show. Uh, you know, I, I talk about it every week. We do it for the fans. We hope that they're enjoying it as much as we enjoy doing it. And uh, he said that it is his Friday night fix. So when he's at work on Friday, he loves to just uh, turn it on, let it play, and listen to the stories of everything legendary. Mr. Everything Max Sled, Larry D. right here on the Max. Man, I appreciate that. That's a big, huge shout-out to Logan right there because that's that's what I like to hear after doing this, after four or five episodes in, is that people are actually listening and people care. And, you know, if anything, keep sharing. 
keep keep telling the people, hey, man, I, this is every Friday. I'm hooked on this shit. I, I love this, you know. Uh, share it to your friends and let people know about it. And and man, I can't tell you how much that means to me to hear that. Like you you dedicate the hour or two hours every Friday, and it helps us get you through. It helps you get through that shift, and and that that means the world to me. It really does. Logan wants to know what match made you Larry, Larry, Larry fucking D. Uh. I believe it was down in uh, uh, Jeffersonville when me and fucking Gary J were uh, just having a brutal war because in St. Louis, it's Gary, Gary, Gary fucking J, you know. Well, in Indiana, we went there and just beat the tar out of each other, and it was like split crowd, and, you know, they had the Gary, Gary, Gary fucking J, and then all of a sudden the other crowd's like, fuck you, Larry, Larry, Larry fucking D, and then it just caught on to even where it caught down in, in St. Louis in, in Gary's hometown there, and you know, respectfully, he was happy for me, you know, because he knows he knows the, the crowd and the respect level that they have. Really cool. How does it feel when you're in there and you're getting that response to where, yeah, you know, hey, we are working the emotions. We're telling the story. But how does it feel when you just you get that reaction and it takes you to that place to where it's like, God, this is why I love it. I feel like I'm in the middle of my people. You know, I mean, I know that's crazy to say, but like, I just feel like it's like, these are my fucking people right here. And it's fucking, I feel like we're just vibing, right? You know, we're at a party, we're vibing. I'm in the fucking ring. They're getting, you know, Larry, Larry, Larry fucking D. You know, it just, it, it hypes me up, man. Well, like, I, I feel like that's my connection with them. You've always had that, the connection, like you just said. So before you went to Impact, it was sign Larry D. Yeah. Sign Larry D. And then once you're there and you're their guy, it's Larry, Larry, Larry fucking D. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah and then in the places to where they they may not you use notice that language, the last it's the TV, Larry D. Heaven. The last TV that I did for Impact, they had a Larry fucking D chant in the crowd. That's got to make you proud. Yeah, man, it was really cool. Uh, how's the bar coming along? That's his second question. The bar's going great, man. We've got so much. Actually, I'm getting out of here today, and I'm going to go look at that calendar. We've got so much stuff coming up. This weekend coming, I know for a fact, on Friday, we got 80s and 90s night, man. They come up, and everyone dresses up in their best 80s and 90s uh, dress and uh, you know, we're celebrating Dana's birthday. Come on by, buy Dana yeah, a drink. Yeah, man, we got we got all kinds of new drinks in there. There's a drink called the Tropical Paradise. There's a drink called the China. And suicide I'm, Dives. The suicide Dives, and we got beer specials. And, you know, Saturday, well, there's there's a rod run down here all day. And, and Skullface Records and Sin City Live has helped put together uh, this huge all-day event where you got bands playing from noon until midnight. And it's headlined by a local Mike Jones. Very good, talented guy. What is your pre-match routine? Like before you fire up, you know, some guys, you know, they go sit and they listen to music or, you know, they got to tape up and they got to be left alone. What is the Larry D pre-match routine? I don't have one. I, I, after all these years, I, I literally am, you've seen it. You know, I, I sit there and talk to you about fucking nonsense and we laugh. I watched you Sunday just sit there and talk about everything but wrestling. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm there, I'm usually sitting there and I'm talking to you right now. And then all of a sudden, uh, Molly Cyrus will hit and they're like, well, you know, your music's playing. Like, I know, man. I, you know, I just go pop out the curtain and do my thing. It's What's like that, that reaction in some of those towns when they say, hey, can I get your music? And you yeah. tell them that you're coming out to mom. They start to laugh. They're like, really? And I was like, yeah, man, you'll you'll see it when it all comes together. But, but man, I used to have that custom intro. Shout out to Money Moon. Uh, he, he dug great on two of my custom intros, but my wife Paige, uh, originally I, she, she'll put me over here, I guess. Cause I have to admit she originally was going to use heart of glass 
and then she was torn between Heart of Glass and Midnight Sky. So she chose Midnight Sky, and I went with Heart of Glass, and I'm glad I made that choice. It, it just makes me vibe. I'm not, you know, I don't have to play. I can be me when, whenever I come to the ring. And what, what, when you see Larry D uh, come to the ring and Miley Cyrus, and I got my wife there with me, that that that's me in the flesh, baby. That's that you ain't you. If you want to, you want to get to know who I am. That that's me. You know that that's who I am. Well, you know, we talked about, uh, I think especially last week, that sometimes you like to be Larry D.A.D. And one of the things that you like to do outside of wrestling is that it's hashtag Grill Dads. Yeah, man. Uh, And you all get out there and you get to grilling. So this is a grilling question. Are you a charcoal guy or are you a propane guy? Well, without a shadow of a doubt, I am a charcoal guy. I've never owned a gas grill in my life. And I refuse to buy it. It's it's to me. I like I like that I lead such a busy life, and whenever I get the opportunity to like grill, I like the idea of you know stacking the charcoals and putting the putting the fucking liquid on there and letting it set for five ten minutes, and then waiting thirty minutes for the coals to get orange, and then I get to rock and roll. I like it when we get a nice little beer buzz and we just sit there and look at the fire. Man, we used <laughs> to sit all day, didn't we? I tell you, it was a good time. You. It's just like anything else. You don't appreciate it as much in the moment because it's like we're doing this all the time, and then it's over, and you're like, God, I wish that you still live one street over. (laughs) I got a grill in the RV just to grill, just just so I know I'm fucking grilling all weekend every time. Man, I'm so excited to hear about that because you've you've now told me that when we do Bar Brawl that you're going to put me up in the finest establishment. You're going to let me sleep in the RV overnight before I come and help uh, watch people put a ring on (laughs) Well, you know, I always try to put you up. You know, I try to put you in the finest of places. And, and, and I know that you live out of city, so I always try to, like, hey, man, you know, you've worked your way up. You're at the office now. Here sleep you go. in my RV. Sleep in my, sleep in my honeymoon sleep. Make sure you bring your own sheets. What is your – oh, my God. What? <laughs> you got me off guard there. You popped me. <laughs> Somewhere Randy Savage is getting ready to bust in right now because yeah. I laughed off cue. Uh, anyway – other than the matches that you have discussed previously on the podcast, are there any other dream matches that Larry D just has to have uh, past, present, or future? Golly, man. I mean, I want them with all of them, you know. I, I'd have to really think on that one and bring it to you next week because I don't want to injustice that answer. Yeah, I know that you said that you, you they – Still, we're waiting. Who is the guy that's going to give you Josh Alexander? I know. I want Josh Alexander. Give him. Give me Josh Alexander. Who's going to give you Moose? Please. I want them all. I'm telling you, man, there's so much good to be done there. Man, I tell you what, I just want to see Larry D. You know what, what I really want to see? I want to see Larry D versus Trevor Murdoch. Yes. Now, that would be amazing there that I've got my toes wet there at the NWA. I think Let's that, touch on that just for a yeah. second. Let's not go too uh, in detail, but – here recently, you were on NWA Power, and you faced former NWA heavyweight champion Tim Storm. Tell us about it, man. Yeah, man, I went down. It was there at Skyway Studios, the same place that I was familiar with, that Impact Wrestling. Home sweet home for you. Home sweet home. It was like coming home again. And I tell you, I absolutely love the vibe of the NWA. If you've not watched the NWA, I suggest go find them on Twitter and hit that follow. You can go watch find them on Fight, YouTube. Yeah, and go, go follow 605. them. 605, that's their yeah, time. That's 605 like on the, the NWA power. And, and, man, just coming to the ring and, like, you come out the curtain and you look to your left and there's the podium and you see, like, man, that's the same. 
same shit, fucking dusty and flared. Everyone just cut those promos there. Then you see that denim and yellow, and you're like, man, this is really fucking cool. Like it was, it was definitely an honor to be in there, and, and even more so with their former world champion. It's great, and uh, you know that you made a you made a big statement. I I hear that uh, Billy Corgan was very excited to meet you before you left. Yeah, he he shook my hand and told me he thanked me for coming back and you know, for coming down there, and that. Uh, you know, hopefully we can get back together again. So I think right now, know. right now, I think we put you on the spot and we ruin any opportunity for you to go back down there. Tell us your opinion of the Smashing Pumpkins. The world is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. And here's our final question All right. of the show. They want to know, what was the most knowledgeable thing that you've learned in the wrestling business and what is the best piece of advice that you give to somebody as soon as they enter the wrestling business? The most knowledgeable thing that I have learned is to always get your facts straight. You know, a lot of times that when you're around an industry of going around and, and, and you know, you, you hear a lot of in, uh, incorrect things about individuals and then you have an opinion of them. So when you meet certain said individuals, then you already have a negative outlook on them. And to never, ever just judge someone just on mere fact of what what someone else has told you. So, uh, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that I have learned because for so long I, I, I was guided not to go certain places, don't do certain things on mere opinion from other people. And then when I went and found those things out for myself, I realized, well, it's nothing like what they said. Uh, you know, my, my advice for someone to come into wrestling would be, to make sure that this is what you want to do. You know, you're going to invest a lot of time, effort, money. You're going to argue with your spouse. You're going to argue with your family. You're going to miss some certain things. And you're going to have to explain those, you know, justify missing those. And, and it's all, all hard to do uh, for wrestling. You know, when it's hard to explain, like, you know why you do it for wrestling, but your family doesn't. You can never explain it. We talk about it every yeah. single week. It's the Jeff Jarrett rule. Any, if, the, if you love it. No explanation is yeah, needed, and Once if you it don't, you, you're yeah, hooked. yeah, no man. explanation it's will true. do. It is true, especially even more so when you find out that you can make it a living. So that's gonna wrap up this week. We'll come back next week, and we're gonna be in episode five. It is part five of the Making an Impact series. This one is entitled "The End of the Road." Oh, we're gonna be wrapping up the uh, Impact series. Although we die. No, we're good, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk about it. Hey, right, you know, that's it. So uh, we're wrapping up for tonight. Thank you so much for listening to Episode 4. Me, Max, and Mike, we've talked about it all night. Make sure you subscribe, like. If it's on Twitter, retweet it. If it's on Facebook, like it, share it. Go to Spotify. Go to YouTube. Anywhere you find me, Max, and Mike, make sure you subscribe, like, share it to your friends. Send in your questions, and we can't do this without each and every one of you. So tune in next week. Keep spreading the love. And remember, this is the only podcast that is truly everything legendary. That's it. We're going to hit the road. Thanks so much for listening. Good night. Have a great week.